Proverbs 24, and we're continuing on our series, Home Remedies. Proverbs 24, verse 3 and 4 in the Amplified Bible. It says, through skillful and godly wisdom, everybody say wisdom. And then parenthetically, it says, a life, a home, a family built. And by understanding, it is established and on, on a sound and good foundation. And by knowledge, by knowledge shall its chambers of every area be filled with all precious and pleasant riches. What an incredible uh, metaphor and imagery we have here that through skillful and godly wisdom, things that God will show us and bring us to know, that it says a house, and that's the picture there, the house, but it's a life, a home, a family is built. The Hebrew word for built right there means to build or to rebuild. So that kind of puts all of us on on level ground here that whether our life, our home, our family needs built or rebuilt or maintained or spruced up, you know, uh, this is able to help us. And through understanding it is established, that Hebrew word for established there has to do with to make firm or stable. And we want that in our homes as well. Let me from the outset say that As we're talking about family and marriage and home, there's just no possible way for me to address the particular situation or arrangement at every house. You know, it's like, well, um, I'm uh, I'm newly married or I'm a widow or widower or I've got 12 kids. How did I get all these? Or I'm on my ninth marriage or, you know, what I, I can't address all this. But what I can do is come with the compassion and spirit of God and give the ideals and truths of God's word. And in the light of that, then we're able to, and the Holy Spirit's able to do that, to help us to apply that and direct that concerning whatever your situation would be. And and I really believe that what I'm going to share today is going to be helpful to everybody. Let me also qualify up front that this, Meadowbrook Church, is not a house of condemnation. Uh, You don't come to church to get yelled at and reminded how bad you are and all the things that you messed up this week and and your whole life up to this point. Um, You're aware of that, you know, and we don't go soft on that. Uh, But we're going to give the standards uh, of God's word. We'll call you to repentance, but it's not going to help you for me to just yell at you and and remind you how bad you are. I mean, Jesus came to help us with this. The problem is sin. The answer is Jesus, and Jesus came full of grace and truth. So that's where we want to approach us today, and and we're going to be helped by that. And But this is not a house of condemnation. Um, I don't want you to have to roll your window up because you know, I know how bad it is. I know what I messed up. I know what other people messed up. I, you know, I know it's not what it should be or it wasn't or, or you know, whatever's going on. Um, let's just get God's grace, God's truth. That's what this is, a house of grace and truth and love and hope and help and progress. I pray for, for all of us today and overwhelming grace. I love that, Pastor Tom, to, to keep us. And so let's just dive into this uh, quickly. We re, we've already established who it is that hates you, hates your family, and hates your home. Who is that? It's the devil. The enemy of your soul is the enemy of your family. And he does not want you to be happy, stable, fruitful, blessed. He does not want home to be a happy, healthy place. He wants to not just shut you down. He wants to break this whole thing down in generations. And that's one of the reasons why we have a strong commitment toward uh, our next generation. Um, he does it through what I call a strategy of um, disintegration. And to look at that word again, we've done that every week, but think about it. This is how the enemy works against this. It's disintegration. It's to disintegrate. It's to separate the parts of, to reduce to nothing. And he does that by breaking down, breaking up, breaking apart the cohesion that should be there in a marriage, in a family, in a home. 
And how many of you know that he's busy at that and he's, pre- he's pretty effective at that? Well, first two services, he, he was. And, and, and we know that. And he's lobbing things at, at your address, at everybody's address. And um, we've got to be aware of that ahead of time. Scripture says this, that if we're ignorant of his devices, he can take advantage of us. So the inverse is true. If we're not ignorant of his devices, he cannot take advantage of us. And that's part of the purpose of this series. And I feel very, very strong about this whole series because we've got to have some help in our homes, home remedies. So that's what the enemy wants. Here's what God intends. In Isaiah 32, verse 18, he says, my people, go ahead and say that, my people, my people will dwell in a peaceful habitation, in secure dwellings, and in quiet resting places. That's what God wants. That's what God wants for you. Listen to me. That's what God wants for you. And, and you need to pay attention to this throughout Scripture, that whatever God wants for you, that's sacred. That's sacred, and you need to embrace it and treat it that way. That's what I want, too. That's what you want. You want a peaceful habitation, a secure dwelling, a quiet, and re- quiet resting place? Come on. We want that, and that's what God wants for us, and the enemy of our soul is after that. And so here's where responsibility falls on us, but we cannot do it without God. So let me put it this way. You with God, how many of you know you need God on this? Well, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, you need God on this. You can't do this on your own. People have tried it every, every different way. You with God have responsibility here to do this. Listen, to create, to guard, to cultivate an atmosphere. Atmosphere is important. To create and cultivate and guard an atmosphere where people, follow this, where people can grow and heal. Home needs to be a place where people can grow and where people can heal. You know what I'm talking about? I'm, I, we've got a, a wall in our garage where we mark on the wall, you know, our kids every year, half year as they're growing. You know, we've got, we've got, we've been in our house, I don't know, 16, 17 years or so. And, you know, there's all these marks. I'm not talking about that kind of growing. I'm talking about personal growing, spiritual growth. You as a person, uh, your soul to grow, that you, you would grow spiritually in every way. Y- y'all with me this morning? It's too important for y'all to just watch this. Y'all, y'all need to get in here. And, and so uh, home needs to have that kind of atmosphere. You can't do it without God. It needs to be an atmosphere where people can grow and where people can heal. Because there's so much that hurts us in this world. I shared it with you last, last week that every person, every person here, every person not here, every person you've ever known, every person has the need of a place. You've got to have a place. Everybody say a place. A place in your life where you can prepare and where you can repair. You know, you've got to have a place that you can start your day, right? Whether or not you're doing it, and I pray that you'll be more mindful of doing this, that you can prepare for your day. And you go out into your day and you're going to come back. Guess what you're going to need? You're going to need to be repaired. And home needs to be that kind of place. Home should not be the the place that you come back to and you're dreading. You know, and God help our homes. And that's why we're talking about this. And so I've thought about it. I've prayed about it long and hard. And I really think there's only two places for us on the whole planet that can be a place where we can prepare and repair. And first of all is home. And second of all is the church. And so you need to, those, however your world orbits, let's make sure that your home, church, that you keep part of it in, in and out of the book of Hebrews. And so much the more as you see the day approaching concerning church, it's, it's, it's just absolutely vital. Amen. So one of the factors that we've got to have in our home 
is happiness. Happiness. And uh, I can see that some of y'all need some happiness. Okay. How many of you would like to be more happy than you are? Did you know that's the truth of every person? And a person that would be enviable to you, you'd say, man, if I lived there, had that, did this, knew them, was that, looked like, you know, all those things. If I had that, man, I'd, I'd be so happy. And you know what? If you could get inside their heart and their head, man, if I could just simplify and be that and do that and have that and not have this and, you know, all those things. And all of us want to be a little more happy. I'm not talking about happiness in our home that's this giddy, fluffy, giggly, tickly, you know, just a like little tickly. That's a new word. Write it down. You'll be hearing it a lot lately. Uh, I'm not talking about that. We're not just talking about an emotional happiness. Emotions typically are secondary. You don't live off of your emotions, okay? You don't trust your emotions either. Today's going to be a really crummy day. Because you ate weird last night, you know? And so it doesn't work that way. But what we've got to understand here is... Not that kind of happy, where it's just based on circumstances and happiness. If everything was good, if everything was better, if I had this, if it didn't, you know, that whole thing again, then I'd be happy. No, don't live that way. There's a different kind of happiness that's actually a condition. It's a state. It's a a result. It's a fruit of some things. And I'll show you what's a fruit of, and and we're going to do a little scripture memorization this morning. You go, oh, please, pastor, I I lost an hour of sleep. I can't, I can't do this. You can do this. You'll be glad you did. Psalm 144, verse 15. I'm going to read it to you. I'm going to read it to you twice. I'm going to have you read it with me. And then we're going to go through just a little drill. Take less than a minute. And then you're going to have this memorized, okay? Psalm 144, verse 15 says this. Happy are the people whose God is the Lord. Okay, I'm I'm going to read it to you again. Listen to it real good. Happy are the people whose God is the Lord. I'd like for you to read it with me this morning. Happy are the people... Whose God is the Lord. Now, why don't you just close your eyes or something, just look away, and now try it again. Happy are the people whose God is the Lord. Now, I want you to read it again, and I want you to just zero in on every word. Don't make this mindless. Just zero in with me here, and let's do this again. Ready? Happy are the people whose God is the Lord. Because I had exclamation point there. Now, you can look wherever you want, and now you've got this memorized. Say it with me again. Happy are the people whose God is the Lord. I want you to notice, and that's one of the most powerful things in Scripture right there. And guess what? You've got it memorized. Don't get into pride. Just be happy about this. Happy are the people whose God is the Lord. Well, I want to be happy at my house. I want some happiness in my house. This is all it takes. That God is your Lord. Oh, but if I was married or married to them or this or that or this, cut it out. Happy are the people whose God is the Lord. Okay, that's good. That's good. What does that mean? What does that even mean that God is their Lord? Well, for me, it's, this is what it means. And I'm going to tell you this, and I'm, I'm not faking on this. I'm happy. I'll tell you why I'm happy. Because God is my Lord. Okay, but what does that mean? Okay, here's, here's what it means to me. And I pray it will come to mean it to you. It means to me that I have an awareness that God is my Lord 
that there is nothing that he cannot do, nothing he cannot fix, nothing he cannot help me with. Man, that makes me pretty happy. And further, that God, the creator God, the redeemer God, ready for this one? Loves me. Go figure. Loves me. And here's the thing about God's kind of love. Because here's what love does. Love, the one who loves, is always trying to close the distance between the one who loves and the one he loves. Always trying to close that distance. When you love somebody and you're away from them, you got to call them. you got you to FaceTime. you got you got got to hear their voice. you got to think about it. i got to see their picture. That's what love does. Okay, so the creator God, the redeemer God, loves me. And here's the nature of his love. Nothing can separate me from that love. And then to add on to my happiness quotient, here's, here's the other part. Not only does he love me and nothing can separate me from that love, but he's actively present in my life. So happy? Yeah. But what about that? What about that? You know what? All that is trumped. All of that lies in the shadows of this. That there's nothing he cannot do, fix, or help. He loves me. Nothing to ever separate me from that love. Not even me. Not even the devil. Nothing. Everybody say nothing. Nothing Nothing can separate me from that love. And he's actively present in my life. Say it with me. Happy are the people whose God is the Lord. And there you have it. Well, let's talk about happy this morning. I want to give you an acrostic this morning and uh, pay real close attention to this. Happy, because that's what we want to we want to be. But this is a really big happy because I got three P's in it. <laughs> On purpose. So we'll look at this. And you know what? How many of you, I'll ask you again. How many of you want to be more happy than you are? Okay. Well, I've already given you a huge, huge key. Happier the people whose God is the Lord. But I want to ask you something too. And I, uh, Joyce Myers, I love her, but I'm scared to death of her. Y'all know what I mean. <laughs> she asked this question. I just want to clear my voice and say, yes, ma'am, and answer, you know, but, but she said, what are you waiting on to get happy? What are you waiting on before you get happy? And most people are waiting on something. Trick of the enemy. Trick of the enemy. Stop, stop, cut that out. Stop waiting to get happy. Happy are the people whose God is the Lord. But I want to share some things with you that are going to help increase the happiness in your life and in your home. And the first one would be this, the H. The H would be right here. Stop being too hard on others. The H is for hard, in case y'all were trying to figure that. Stop being so hard on others. We tend to be hard on others and easy on ourselves. We judge others by their actions. We judge ourselves by our intentions. And it's just a not a fair thing. And so you can teach, but you don't have to trample. And you can correct, but you don't have to crush. And you can hold accountable, but you don't have to annihilate somebody. We can stop being so hard on other people. And parents especially listen to me on this one. Stop trying to yell and beat out of your children what you hate about yourself. I was going to let that one just soak for a minute and then say it again. Stop trying to yell and beat out of your children what you hate about yourself. 
there's a better way to make all that happen. So one of the things that would really, really help us to have happiness in our home and to stop being so hard on other people is this thing called, and you've got to get it, and you've got to get it for your house. It's called the golden rule. You go, okay, well, where do I get it? What do I call it? It's something Jesus taught. It's the golden rule, and it simply is this. You're to do to other people what you want them to do to you. And I think for me it involves switching roles with them mentally and thinking, okay, if I had done what they had done and I'm in this spot, what, what would I want me to do, them to do for me? So you do to other people what you would want other people to do to you. And I guarantee you things will be a whole lot different. Y'all are the quietest people I've had all morning. Okay. It's all right. I know you're listening. I know you're listening. One of the best ways to apply the golden rule and to bring all this in is through forgiveness. There needs to be forgiveness in your house. Everybody say forgive. And here's why you forgive. You forgive because you've been forgiven. And Colossians 3.13 says this. You're to forgive as Christ forgave you. Now notice it didn't say you're to forgive just because he's forgiven you. That is reason enough. But it words it. It says you're to forgive as Christ forgave you. So in the same way that he forgave you, that's the way you're supposed to forgive other people. You've had it modeled. You've had it done to you. You're to forgive other people. Well, how did Christ forgive us? Well, he was quick about it. He was glad to do it. He was thorough about it. Um, He loved doing it. And I'm thankful that he's forgiven me. I'm thankful that he continues to forgive me. And on our best days, on our best days, I realize, God, forgive me. And sometimes you have your best day and you get proud about it. You know, you know whatever. Or you do the dumbest thing you've done in a, in a year after a best day. You know, God, thank you that you forgive. Here's what happens when you don't forgive. When you don't forgive, it clogs and blocks happiness from being in your home. And if you have a grudge, when my children were little, we had a, a book called Don't Hug a Grudge. That's a good thing. Don't hug a grudge. A grudge, relationally, is a tumor. And whether or not you've got that grudge or unforgiveness against somebody in your own household, it might be somebody at work or somebody in your past or when you're holding a grudge, don't be bringing that cancerous junk into your home. You're going to have to get rid of that at some point. So when you don't forgive somebody, here's what you say you are saying to them. You're saying to them, you owe me. When you don't forgive somebody, you say, you owe me. You owe me that opportunity again. You owe me an apology. You owe me an explanation. You owe me that money. You owe me, you embarrassed me. You hurt my feelings. You, you, you hurt me. You, you, you owe me. And it's a hard place to live, and every one of us have lived there. But if you can step over into the golden rule, and you can step over into what Jesus has done for us, now here's what you say when you forgive. You say, you owe me nothing. And you let them go. Hey, let's practice. Let's practice it. You don't have to be for real yet because some of you are like, well, I'm not ready yet. <laughs> I know I can tell by your body language. <laughs> Just say, you owe me nothing. And they, don't, they need not be present to win. They might be dead and gone. You owe me nothing. I'm not keeping books on this one more day in my life. Because it's clogging, it's blocking happiness in me and in my home. Let it go, let it go. 
You owe me nothing. And in the meantime, stop being so hard on others. Can you say amen? Amen. Secondly is the A. A. And I'm going to suggest a couple things that it could be, and then I'm going to tell you what I want it to be for us today. It, it, It could be, first of all, acceptance. Acceptance. We all need acceptance. Um, it could be affirmation. Whatever it is, in Ephesians 4.29, it says this, Let no corrupt word, notice that, proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification. Do you see those two words? Necessary edification. That's to build up. Everybody needs that. It's necessary. That it may, may impart grace to the hearers. There's something about this necessary edification that it's words. There are words that somehow are spoken that can either build up or tear down. And so acceptance, certainly words are involved in that. All growth begins with acceptance. If you don't have acceptance, you'll hide, you'll pretend, you'll morph, you'll be resentful. Acceptance does not mean agreement and approval. Acceptance just means let's create an honest, safe place where there's some light and some love so we can begin to talk and work and pray and grow. That's what acceptance is. And then there's affirmation. It could be affirmation. Affirmation means to give support and give encouragement. Doesn't it feel good when your family's cheering you on? Your spouse is cheering you on, proud of you, those kind of things. It's, it's good that... that you know, we, we offer encouragement and cheer each other on. Tell each other, have a good day. You know, sometimes even somebody in a, a, a shopkeeper or whatever, they'll tell you, have a good day. And you can tell they mean it. And I appreciate it. And you too. And then other times they're like, how God, I... You know, it means nothing. But I mean, especially within house, within family. We, I mean, we should be cheering each other on. The first one to leave the house should have to run through a line of people, giving them high fives and swatting them and go, go get them! That's what we do. No, we don't. That's weird, y'all. Ultimately, here's what I, I want to assign to the A today. It's, it's an assurance of love. Assurance of love. You've got to know that you're loved. Okay, I'll help you. I love y'all. You know, just like, oh, thank you, thank you. The assurance of love. And I think it's related to words. I've got... Most of my family here this morning, I have my stepdad here first service, my sister and her family uh, here first service, and um, I've got five kids and a son-in-law and a daughter-in-law and two grandbabies, and and I'm thinking all the way to my stepdad. There is never a time, never a time where we talk to each other on the phone or we're in each, each other's presence and we leave. There's never a time that we don't say, I love you. I love you. I remember a few years ago, Alicia and I were on the phone. We finished. She goes, okay, I love you. And I went, yeah, I love you too. And she goes, excuse me? <laughs> and it's like, gotcha. What I meant to say was, I love you. And it's words. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to impart grace to the hearers. We all need an assurance of love. And well, you know, my wife and I, we got married 40 years ago. I told her I loved her then. And I'll let her know if anything changes. <laughs> Let her know if something changes. I'll, I bet you, buddy, it's going to change. <laughs> you might rock their world today. So I know I hadn't said this in 80 years, but I, <laughs> I love you, gal. 
P. Stop being so hard on people. Assurance of love. The first P, pray. Pray. The Bible says that you do not have because you skipped Sunday school one time in sixth grade. I did that. (laughs) No, you do not have because you what? Because you do not ask. Well, I don't know how to pray. He just told you how to pray. You ask. You talk. You know how to order food? You know how to talk to somebody? You know how to have an exchange with somebody? This is just God. And I, I don't mean just God. I mean it's just God. But he's made this way for us. Though he dwells in the high and holy place, he's chosen to dwell with the broken and the penitent. He's chosen to, to, to dwell with us. And he wants us to talk to him, to pray, to ask. And there's so many things that you do not have because you do not ask. And then in James 1.5, it says this. If anyone of you lacks wisdom, note that, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Notice this. Ask for wisdom. If you lack wisdom, how many of you can just go ahead and imagine I probably will lack some wisdom this coming week? Or today? It's a daily prayer for me. God, I lack wisdom. And, and I can hear him back. You just started today. I know, but I know I will lack wisdom today. And, and here's the thing about wisdom. First of all, from our opening verse. Y'all still with me? From our opening verse, we saw this. It's through wisdom that a house, a home, a life, a family is built or rebuilt. And also, what does Proverbs tell us about wisdom? It's the principal thing. It's the highest thing. There's so many things that you think you need, and really all that you do need is wisdom. I just need more time. No, I'm going to tell you what you need. You need wisdom. I just need more money. No, I'm going to tell you what you need. You need wisdom with the money you've got. I just, you need wisdom. And so if this clear and direct scripture says that if you lack the principal thing, the highest thing, if you lack that, you, me, could ask God for that. And he would give it, not grudgingly, and he would give it generously. If he would give me wisdom, give you wisdom, then what else would he not give? All the, all the lesser, lesser things that you need, I need for my home, for my, for my family, for my life. And so what we need for, instead of you fussing and fuming and fretting and biting each other's heads off because you're worried and stressed about this problem, this need, this situation, this concern, you know what you need to do instead? You need to pray. You need to pray. Everybody say pray. Pray. And the next P is praise. Everybody say praise. And this is what I'm convinced of. You're not a good prayer unless you're a good praiser. And by praiser, I do not mean that you got to get a tambourine and go, woo! You know, I'm not, I'm not talk, talking about that. I probably wouldn't even recommend that. But, um, but praise is that there's this energy and excitement within you about God's ability and about God's activity and that you want to give God praise. You want to thank him. And when you get zeroed in like that, I'm telling you, enter his gates with thanksgiving in your heart. You enter his courts. You're getting closer to him in praise. And it's a, it's a powerful thing to praise God. And what it does, because you start to think about and be reminded of and become aware of God's ability and God's activity in your life, you get grateful. And when you become grateful, you, you celebrate And when you celebrate, you are more buoyant. And that's happy, folks. That's happy. And so 
Stop being so hard on people. Assurance of love. Pray. Praise. And the next one here. Play. You're there. I know. See? That was perfect. Thank you, little one. Play. There needs to be some fun at your house. Have you ever been to somebody's house and you look around and smell around and you go, there ain't been no fun here in about 16, 17 years. When I was a little kid, I was all about play, fun. I mean, that's what you do. And my mom was an Avon lady. And so she'd take me to all these ladies' houses that smell like mothballs and roses and stuff. And you can bring one toy and you got to sit right by me. And, you know, that didn't work out so good. So then she would like tell me, okay, stay in the yard and, and don't go past that. But, but I remember sitting in some houses and I'm just like, this is no fun. I hate this. I'm going to run away as soon as the door opens. And, and it's like so boring. And then they'd have Avon party. And I'm not talking against Avon, the product. I'm just, it's like, oh, oh. And that was last week that I was. No. Listen, there needs to be planned fun. There needs to be spontaneous fun. You need to laugh. You need to, there needs to be humor in your house. Well, none of us are funny. Well, watch funniest home videos or something, you know? We, do, we have fun. We have fun. We have, we have crazy voices, which that's all you're going to know. And, and just little things, just all the time. Everybody ha- kind of has things that they do, and we just love it. And it, and it you know, cracks us up, and it, it lightens the... It brings happiness to the home. My, my wife and my daughter were watching Downton Abbey uh, a couple of weeks ago. And, you know, so they're watching that. And I'm not watching it because it does not look fun. <laughs> So they're watching, and every time they're watching one of their shows and I come through, Alicia will pause it. And why do you do that? She goes, because every time you come, you want to ask a question about who's that or what's going on. And I, I, I don't want to ask nothing. Well, the way the TV is and my room is and where I was coming and going there watching the show, you know, I kept coming through. I said, you don't have to pause. I'm not going to say anything. But as I come through, every time I come through, I come through with a different walk. It's like. No. Hey, I, I don't even know if they noticed, but when I got in the next room, I laughed. Let me ask you a question. I'm 54 years old. I still do this on occasion. Do you ever make faces in the mirror? Come on. You need to lighten up at your place. Lighten up. Well, there's a, a sinner who lives in my house. And uh, happy are the people whose God is the Lord. <laughs> Proverbs seventeen twenty two: a merry heart does good like medicine. That Hebrew word means a cure, a healing. But a broken spirit dries the bones and makes your house smell like mothballs and roses. <laughs> Stop being so hard on others. Assurance of love. Pray. Praise. Play. And why owe oh, you?
You. It starts with you. Somebody at your address has to change gears, has to step across the line. Somebody at your place has to get a hold of this. Somebody at your place has to be a person whose God is the Lord. And, and listen, stop waiting. Like I said earlier, stop waiting on something to make you happy. You know, I've heard people say this. Well, when I was single, I was unhappy and insecure. And now I'm married and I'm unhappy and insecure. Yeah. So, it, hey, it's not about anybody else. Listen, it's not about anybody else. It's about you. Each one of us will give an account of himself. It's about you. It doesn't... I, I'm so glad that I don't have to wait on everybody else to get happy. You know, and, and you be happy. And, and I'll go ahead and tell you, you're not going to be happy. I don't care what you try. You will not be happy. Oh, you might have a thrill. You might have some little fun. You're not going to be happy without God. And so here's what it is. Find God. Get close to God. Stay close to God. Get right with God. Stay right with God. Happy are the people whose God is the Lord. I mean, get up close and up tight and up right with God. And that's where it comes from. And, and, and then it's solid in you. that no matter what else is going on, God, in my life, as the Lord in my life, there's nothing that he's not able to do or fix or help. And he's the creator God and he's the redeemer God. And this still blows me away and he loves me. And nothing can separate me from that love. Amen. And he's actively present in my life. I'm happy. Deuteronomy 5.29, now close. Oh, that they had such a heart in them that they would fear me and always keep all my commandments. That it might be well, meaning in the Hebrew includes happy, might be well with them and with their children forever. It goes on and on. Notice, it said, oh, that they had such a heart in them to obey me and to keep all my commandments always. Heart. Just that you got the heart. Because you and I are not going to be able to keep all the commandments. But my heart is. And when I repent before God, I say, God, you know my heart, though. And that's what it takes. And, And God said, you got a heart toward me? I will smile on you and your children forever. That's up to you. That's up to you. God's already postured himself for that. Amen. I'll just end with this this morning. Happy are the people whose God is the Lord. You say it with me. Happy are the people whose God is the Lord. Did you get anything at all out of this this morning? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.